Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. Have you ever been emotionally exhausted from a situation? Like to the point that you're like, I don't even know if I have enough strength to continue to get mad. I have literally been experiencing a um, situation, if you will, that is trying to grow patient endurance in me. And I can't say that I'm connecting the patience with the endurance part. I seriously have come to the conclusion that anything beautiful in life is attached to something that is undesirable. And I know the Bible says things like, you know, the wheat grows with the tarry, but it gets to a point that you're like, Lord, how much more tarry hmm, needs to be attached to this. And right now in my soul of souls, I can honestly say that I am ready to red rum. Yes, I know that it's wrong to feel that way. And so, I mean, you ever get to the point that you like, bro, I am possibly contemplating doing some things, but you know what? There's not enough accommodations on the uh, repercussion side of that, you know, the consequences thereof of doing something that's not so wise. Like, I don't like being cold. Um, I'm a, I'm a need more than just, you know, you start to think about where that can possibly lead you and you're like, yeah. All right, so I got to just let God go ahead and handle this situation. But have you ever been so disgusted with a situation, a person? Because whenever the situation is, there's people, right? Let's just keep it a book. At this very moment in my life, I have to honestly say that I am learning so much about the other side of God. I remember talking to you. A few conversations ago, maybe about two or three, while I was saying, you know, it says that we are heirs of Christ. And so because we are going to get the crown that came from Calvary, we also have to experience the sufferings that came from Calvary. And I feel like if I can pinpoint what season I'm in in my life, it is actually I need you to develop um maybe a different response when it comes to your frustration, your anger, however you want to coin it. And one of the things that popped up that the Holy Spirit reminded me of is you are always going to experience what Jesus experienced on earth. Like there's no possible way if you are going to be heirs of Christ in Calvary that you can walk this human experience and not get a slither of what Jesus experienced. So I just happened to just be thinking about that. I'm like, okay. And I thought about the way... (laughs) That Jesus loved on Peter, knowing that the whole time he was going to deny him when Jesus needed somebody to ride with him the most. And I said, Jesus, you was able to look at Peter in his face, give him a new identity, said, you know what, Simon, I think I'm going to call you Peter, sir. You were able to go ahead and give him a whole new identity Look him in his face and tell him that you are the cornerstone of the church on on the you will be the rock that I built my ministry on. You will literally you saw all this greatness in this man and you knew you knew that at some point he was going to let you down. He was going to betray you. And the only thing that you did during that time of betrayal is that you left enough space for him to look you in the eye, for you to give him that head nod, like I told you when the crow 
when the rooster crows three times or whatever, three times, right? And then, then I thought about the fact that you let Judas breathe with ease, knowing that he was going to be the very catalyst that led to Calvary. And so when you are zoomed in to those particular examples, you like, bro, listen, it's no way I would have had Judas that close to me. You know, he couldn't have, mm-mm, I would have made it where he had a limp all three years of the ministry that he was with Jesus. Like if I was Jesus there, Judas would experience some pain. You have a nice day because what you don't know that I know that what's getting ready to happen is that you are the reason, sir. You are the reason. And if I could just put my finger right there, because honestly, that's a trigger for me. When I'm looking at a situation that is uncomfortable for me, um, number one, I look at it like, okay, it's a learning experience. But the way that I am wired to look at a situation is who, what caused this? And the way that I process, and I'm still working on this, The way that I process anger is the moment that I found out the root, I want to cut it off. Man, woman, child, infant, I don't care who it is. It is a, oh, okay, you know what? Cut off into further notice until I know how to reattach you to my life. And I don't know how Jesus was able to know that Judas is absolutely going to be the reason for for, for Calvary and not feel anything inside that says I want you to have asthma but like a severe case of it like I want I want to debilitate you in some kind of way you need a disability I don't want you walking with me and for you to get all the benefits of saying you walked with me like I I won't stop Calvary because I know what's getting ready to happen and the benefits thereof but what I will do is you you dare not be around me for three years you know if I was Jesus he wouldn't be around me for three years with ease oh no you're going to have blindness in one eye, sir. You're going to have no teeth. You ain't going to be able to eat none of this, um, the fish and loaves, the miracle that I have. Nope. You're going to have to have a gummy bear experience. Yep, because you don't have any teeth. You're going to have to find the softest figs because you can't partake it, okay, in anything that is mine. Like, you know what? Praise God that he knew who Jesus had to be because if it were me, I would look up like, God, I'm sorry, kid. <laughs> like, yeah, he going to have to, I don't know, like, this one is just the burnt sunflower seed out the experience. I'm going to just have to make it where he's uncomfortable. Have a nice day. But to have him, Judas, to have him walking, have the audacity to let him breathe. And you knew all along, this dude is stealing money, but you made him a treasurer. This dude is going to go ahead and sell betrayal. And you let him, you let him come up to you and kiss you, Jesus, to the point that before he even did it, you looked at him like, go do what you came to do, B. Jesus, why you let that man walk out the last supper? Why you ain't having what, you know, you're going to go ahead and, and start the, the catalyst again to Calvary, but you're going to have to limp out of here. You're going to have to crawl out of here. As a matter of fact, I'm going to make it where all of your teeth just start falling out one by one. I don't know why I'm stuck on teeth, but let me be stuck on it. But it would have been a repercussion behind you being the reason that causes me the most pain I've ever experienced in my life. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I would have been on the cross like, ooh, Judas, (laughs) bruh, I could not have, and that's why he needed to be Jesus. I could not have fast-forwarded in my mind and said, 
but this is for the greater good so that other people can have a relationship with my father. I would have looked at it like, before I go, Judas, real quick, um, you're going to have to see me with these hands. Like, I'm going to pause time just to put my paws on you, sir. And then we're going to go ahead and I digress. And then I'll, I'll go ahead and, and ascend, if you will. Then I thought about the fact that um, when Peter was upset, after Judas kissed, you know, kissed him on the cheek and was like, yep, that's Jesus. Go ahead and get him, guys. And the soldier stepped up. Peter was like, ooh, I have a sword. Yeah, yeah. And went ahead and took off his ear real quick. Jesus looked back at Peter and was like, Satan, get thee behind me. So I'm like, wait a minute. Why you ain't pop off at Peter? I don't know how Jesus was able to look at Peter and separate and say, no, I know your heart. But I also am very clear that that action wasn't driven by you. It was driven by a darker force. How was Jesus able to separate the two? How? I don't know. And the whole purpose of this virtual experience of all things earth is so that you can walk out a life that mimics as closely as you can the way that Jesus walked life. That you show people patience, that you show. So I wanted to zoom in on the things that I felt like, Jesus, you could have popped off and I would have understood. I would have very much understood if he was like real quick um, and you just tap Judas on the tip of his nose and he just melted like you threw cold water on him and he's a gremlin. I would have completely went to the other page of the Bible like, no, I get it. No, I get it. Like it needed to happen. I would have very much understood that when um, Peter went ahead and was like, nah, I don't know him. I'm sorry, Jesus who? Jesus what? Like if he would have went ahead and had convenient amnesia, I would have seriously understood if he was like, okay, well, um, I'm going to cause a lion to just appear and claw your eyes out, sir. So that um, for the rest of your life, what you remember is that you looked at me after you betrayed me. Okay. Um, but go ahead and do that. And you didn't do any of that, Jesus. So that either means I have a real long way to go, like an extremely long way to go, because <laughs> none of that, I've never had a situation happen and looked at someone and was like, mm, get thee behind me, Satan. It's like, no, such and such is cut off, okay? I'm, my feelings is hurt because such and such decided to. Okay, no, I'm not considering that somebody had a rough day. You talk to me crazy. I'm going to match that crazieth, and we're going to both be talking, saying asylum to each other. You understand what I'm saying? I don't know if it's because she's from New York or I don't know if she's super duper witty. We can make a thousand excuses. But what I do know is that she is not yet to the point that she is clothed in all things Jesus. That's why I thank God for understanding my heart. He knows how far she is. And he's like, you know what? But you, you in there and you trying. There's a lot of things that I'm awesome in. And there's some things that I truly have a humble assessment, a humble assessment that, yes, yeah, she's not there yet. Mm-mm. She is very venom snakeage, if you will, when it comes to certain things. Now, I have grown in the things that make me angry. You know, we're not just getting angry at this anything because I do feel like it's exhausting to be angry. 
But I'm very clear that I come from a family dynamic that um, my family held grudges for years. Like we should have been the grudge family. Like that's just what we did. And so that is a language that I am not foreign to. I am very fluent in all things grudge. It took for my love of Christ for me to realize, oh, that's not how you express anger. No, because, like, I've seen my mother start speaking to some of her sisters, and i see my cousins, like, I don't mess with such and such no more. Like, it just became a part of my fam bigger family dynamic that it wasn't weird to me. So what happens in my family, I, that's how I carried out what was happening, you know, with friendships and relationships outside of my family. You did what? Oh, I'm not messing with you. As a matter of fact, story time. I was very, 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 very close to someone in, I met her in sixth grade. She was my bestest of friends, and you already know how middle school best friends go, especially where I'm from. We lived in the same building. We um, went to the same school. We went, So we literally, I did absolutely nothing without this girl. If my mother went ahead and said, hey, you need to go to the store, I called her like, you need to put something on. We're going to the store. Like This is what we're doing as a family. I did absolutely nothing on her without, without her. Now, I can zoom out and see, hmm, there was some codependency see there but I just took it like she was my bestest friend in the whole entire world and I was just like wow fast forward after middle school we went to different high schools my mother didn't want me going to the zone school that was a part of my neighborhood because she just saw no benefit coming from the fact that I was going to the same school as people who lived in my area now that was a New York thing it seemed like Georgia, you know, it's a completely different thing. I don't know what she would have done if we, if I was born and raised here. But in New York, she was like, no, because you need a, we need to break up the monotony of it all. You need a new group of friends. You need, and I guess that's just what she saw that was better fit. So my best friend went ahead and went to the zone high school with the rest of the kids that live in our neighborhood. I had to go ahead and go to a further high school, which made me, why everybody else is just taking one bus, because yes, we traveled in New York, why everybody else is taking one bus, I had to take a bus uh, and two trains to get to, like, I literally was in the mix with people who were going to work. Like, I was part of the 9 to 5 crew. Like, it was ridiculous. Um, but that's because the high school that I went to specialized in something that my mother knew, yeah, this is going to further you, you know, and that was an awesome choice. And she pre-warned me. She said, you know, you and her are not going to be as close because you, you're going to be developing new friendships. And I'm like, no, super-duper best friend times three, right? Like, we live in the same building still. That shouldn't mean anything. Then a couple of years went by, and not only are we not going to the same high school now, I no longer lived in that building because my mother went ahead and got a house. So now we're talking real strange. So my mother was like, yeah, you might as well start opening up the fact that it's not, you know, it's not going to be okay. But before we moved, it was already rocky for me because, and I remember it like it was yesterday, I called her up, and I'm like, hey, um, I was the one that was super duper on punishment or not even punishment. Mother was just strict. It's on lockdown. Like asking her to go somewhere, my yes to no ratio mm, was about 95 to 5%. Her no was strong. Like, yeah, it's just her, her no game was extra strong. And so I remember one of my friends calling up that was in that particular crew and they like, hey, can you go to Great Adventures? So I went ahead, Ma, can I go to Great Adventures? And she hit me with the two letters and I'm like, oh, she said I can't go. And they're like, okay, I just thought, the alliance that the best friend and I had, if I can't go, she can't go. 
Bro, if I can't go to, across the street to the grocery store without you, you definitely not going to Great Adventures without me, right? Like, that's just how that goes. So the next day goes on. Clearly, this is the weekend of some sort. And I do my average Saturday morning routine. I went ahead. I picked up the phone. I called her. Like, mm. mother picks up. I'm like, hey, is such and such there? She was like, oh, no, she's not here. She's with. And she named somebody else who uh they was going to Great Adventure, too. So I was like. That's odd. Why is she over there? But more importantly, why didn't she tell me that she's going over there? Hmm. So I went ahead and called such and such. And I'm like, hey, is, uh, and I'm hearing all the girls in the background. And I'm looking at the time, like, but this is brush your teeth time. Does that mean she spent the night? I'm not clear. And so I finally got around to, like, what y'all doing and how all y'all in the same, like, what's, in, and I'm putting two and two together. Do you know that this girl went to Great Adventure without me? Yeah, I'm, I still got a little bit of salt on that wound. Um, not only was that a slap in the face because, um, like, I had a dog, and I wouldn't walk my dog without this girl. Like, I understand now in a healthier mindset it was codependency, but that was like a super slap in the face, A, you are somebody else's house, so I almost took it like she cheated. Like, real talk, it was just, like, betrayal to the 90th degree. Um, 2B, uh, you went to Great Adventure without me. C, you absolutely went to Great Adventure without me, and I never been to Great Adventure. And D, how dare you? And so that betrayal, for whatever the reason, in my teenage heart and mind, was too heavy for me to be her friend any longer and I literally cried and said I can't be your friend no more and everybody was like oh be quiet y'all be talking again this that and the third and I was like no and I knew it was serious because I cried and it was very 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 hard to get me to cry as a child um I just decided one day that I wanted to be a gangster and I wasn't crying no more and so for me to feel that and cry like that it was just like no I'm good and I knew at that point it was just like done so, again, it was nothing for you to cut off a cousin. It was nothing for you to stop talking to your aunt. So, like, picking and choosing who I spoke to outside of my family, it was very clear. Like, yo, I get to pick and choose that. And I'm looking at, like, decisions that I made prior, and I'm like, ooh, I missed the mark a whole bunch of times. But I can't say that a couple of decades later that I'm any better. I think what has made me done is it's made me more cautious to who I open up to. And so I just picked up the phone and I'm like, how do you handle your anger? Not even so much anger, because, you know, we all you can get mad watching a basketball or football game. It's not even the uh, anger. It's how do you handle betrayal? Like, how do you handle someone mismanaging um, your heart? And I'm not even talking intimate relationships. I want to, and I know I touch on that a lot, but I want to go ahead and zoom all the way out. I am saying single-handedly, when you know that someone is deliberately trying to make your life difficult and they are deliberately, carelessly walking through the lawn of your life, stomping on the flowers of your growth and looking at you through the window like, I don't care. And you're like, wow. Are you responding with a heart like Jesus? Like, can you separate the anger of what someone's doing, separate the person and the action, and look at the fact that, no, Satan, get thee behind me. Yeah, that's Satan. Can you look at the Judas in your own life and go, I know that you're here for a purpose. 
I'm not even going to block the purpose of you being in my life. I understand that there will be no Calvary if there was no Judas to start it. So Judas, do what you came to do. Are you able to look at people like that? And no, this is not a don't feel bad. This is just a how far are we from walking out the life of true, utter Christianity, not even Christianity, just looking a little bit more like Jesus. I personally think that there's growth from responding from something differently if you know that a year or two ago it would have been a totally different outcome like bro you got the right one this Tuesday because had this been two years Tuesdays ago yeah you would have had these hands and I can't say it would have been for prayer hmm you understand when you look at yourself and that's my challenge to you how far are you away from walking a life that looks a little bit kind of mimicking Jesus I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'm not strong in that area. You know, if I had it my way, I, it, it would, a lot of people would have been smite thee, you know. And so in order to help me, I had to go ahead and look up, um, I had to go ahead and look up a few verses. I'm not even going to fib to you. I had to actually go to my Bible app and I'm like, bruh, because I understand now that the Bible is the medicine cabinet. That's how I, I view it. It's a medicine cabinet and whatever it is that you're lacking in, it's not for you to feel convicted about it and say, man, I suck in this area and I've sucked for a long time in this area and blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. It's for you to say, oh, God has shown a light on the areas that I'm weak in. And he's like, yo, um, I'm shaping you into the better, best version of you. And um, I can't afford for you to miss leg day. <laughs> I do apologize. Like I can't have you Bruno on the top and olive oil at the bottom. Like I need you to be in overall shape. So I feel like he's shown the light like, mm, you got a little issue when it comes to betrayal, ma'am. Um, and I'm not saying, you know, that you're not to have a human response, but I'm trying to get it to where the human response is actually not the first response because I am clear that your natural reaction is the wrong response. You, which Whatever you're going to naturally say is like you might as well go ahead and scratch that. So just for giggles and growth, because that's what I like to go ahead and, and coin it, I want to go over a few anger scriptures just because it makes me feel like, oh, okay, we're growing. Let's look at this one. James 1 19 and you know i read in the nlt version it says understand this my dear brothers and sisters you must all be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to get angry now i'm gonna go ahead and tell you this for some reason how i grew up you know i, I did something like this but it was flipped i did a lot of um yeah i was quick to listen quick to respond quicker to get angry sir have a nice day. <laughs> you know, I, I got it. You know, it's like the soul train back in the days when you had to rearrange the, you know, the board and I may be dating myself, but, um, yeah, I didn't, I, I got a little mixed up. James one twenty. Oh, you just gonna go to the very next verse guy. You ain't gonna give me a break. Cool. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. God, are you saying that, um, sometimes you get us angry or put us in situations sometimes or allow us and permit situations from happening because you are trying to shape us into the righteousness that you want us to be. Mm -hmm. That was God. I was like, oh, okay. Ephesians 4 31. 
Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Now, God, I'm, but I'm not evil. You know, you try to go ahead and like, oh, all of that is not me. <laughs> A little bit of, I see maybe about 2% skim milk Um, that I'm, you know, if I had to go ahead and put a percentage on how I fit in that verse, not so bad. He was like, oh, okay, read the next one. That's okay. Um, Proverbs 19, 11, sensible people control their anger. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. Ooh. Okay, the last one, I was about 2% skim milk. This one, I'm like 100%. <clears throat> okay. No, but wait, but wait. I control my anger. And he was like, yeah, but you know what? Just because you are not responding outwardly, if I was able to put a um, a bullhorn to your inward thoughts, would it be saved? And I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to keep reading. He was like, mm-hmm, have a nice day. <laughs> oh, okay. Psalm 37, 8. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. <sighs> okay, God, because I feel like, no, because I feel like the wound is there. You just like a little bit more salt. Like, wait, because I feel it. Okay. Proverbs 14, 29. People with understanding control their anger. A hot temper shows great foolishness. Okay, so if I, if, if foolishness is anger, then why are you letting me feel it? You know, that's deflection. But it's real. It's real. Let's keep going. Because I feel like if we're going to go ahead and twist this, the, the wound and, and the cut and the knife, we might as well just go ahead and keep going. Ecclesiastics 7.9. Control your anger. For anger labels you a fool. God, I think that's, I don't think that's nice. Uh, That's not nice to me. Okay. Um, Proverbs 29.11. Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. Okay, God, I can't take <laughs> When? <laughs> All right, that's enough. I'm good. Whew. Yeah, it got real hot all of a sudden right here in my spot. Okay, great. Um, wow. And when you read stuff like that, you're just like, some verses you can go ahead and like, eh, not so much. You know, I'm not out here flipping tables, Jesus style. No, no shade. No shade, Jesus. No shade. Um, I'm not out here keying nobody's car, you know, clawing nobody eye out. I'm not doing any of that. And he's like, yeah, but you know what? When I look at you, I look at you from the inside out. And while you can mask and clothe what you feel on the outside to everyone else, I'm very much measuring and making the barometer to your growth by checking the pulse of your of your heart. Everyone else could look at you and see, oh, you're healthy. But when the doctor digs a little bit deeper, it's like mm, your blood test came back and it says blah, blah, blah. I believe that that's a spiritual application as well. You may look like you have it all together. But if God went ahead and did a diagnostic vital sign blood test of some sort, would it show the same thing? Or do you need to go ahead and go into the medicine cabinet of the Bible and say, okay, I need to take two tablets and call Jesus in the morning. Yeah, I need to go ahead and just be real with myself. Listen, I'm not going to walk around looking sickly healthy or looking healthy sick. Like I'm not doing any of that. I want everyone to get to a point that you realize, you know what? I don't have it all together. And the reason why I'm able to go ahead and pick up the phone and just use my own experiences as like, look, we're all, as long as you still breathing on this good green and blue earth, we still have places that we need to, 
grow in. I do not believe that it's just a one-time arrival and then that's just it. No, I believe that we face new challenges. I believe that if you're strong in an area, God wants you stronger. I think if you're weak in an area, God wants to go ahead and win you back so that you're no longer weak, so that you can start lifting the weight that is required for you to get strong in that area. I think that it's a constant shaping, a constant mimicking. He is looking at Jesus, looking at you, and he's like, you still got work to do. And thank God that he doesn't make you do all of it in one sitting. Thank God he's just not like, okay, happy birthday. By the way, this is what you have to do for a lifetime. I think we will be overwhelmed. Like, bro, you're giving me 40 years of information and I'm 19. Like, I'm tired already and I didn't even start any of it. And so my challenge to you today is where do you feel like God is putting his finger on and you're like, I got to do better in this area? Where is it that you know, you know what, it's just, I'm not waking, making no headway in this area. I challenge you to use the Bible as your medicine cabinet. I challenge you to not look at yourself and say, I've arrived, I'm good. No, because if you're good, then you could be better, you can be great, and you can be the best in another area. Or in the same area that you deem good. Good is just not good enough sometimes. So you know what these conversations are about. They're life-provoking conversations. I don't want you to just get off the phone and feel like, hmm, no, this is not for you to just have an ear to, to, to my situations. I want this to go through your ears, enter your heart, filter through to your soul so it can get to your brain so you can say, I need to do something differently. Because that's the filtering system that changes your life. But I feel like you got what you needed. And I believe that you know what you have to do. And I want to go ahead and challenge you to do so. If you're not growing, you're dead living. You are literally a walking zombie. Literally. And I feel like you are at a place that you're like, you know what? I do want growth. Okay, so I'll go ahead and i tag you in, the, in the, the ring of all things growth. Come in here and get some of this, okay? Yeah, because I'm getting beat down. I don't want you to get beat down too, but I need a little break. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? But, as my good nanny says, all right, I ain't going to hold you. Go ahead and get you a medicine cabinet. I'm going to call you back later, and I'm going to check to make sure you did it. Hmm? All right. No, don't get sassy with me. You already know what it is. I'll talk to you later. Mm-hmm. Later. <laughs>